Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. Hello everyone and welcome to this topical life. I am here with Alicia Coates and um, I'm especially, 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 especially excited about this one because, um, oh, where do I begin? Okay, so we got to talk about how we met, first of all, but this is a, before we get into it, this story that you're about to listen to, um, we don't know how long it's going to take to tell the story. We don't know where this is going. Um, we're just going to kind of have this conversation and just see where it goes and what comes out and um, hopefully through that process um, you'd be uh, enlightened, encouraged and just see uh, God's faithfulness and um, it's a pretty, pretty uh, deep, heavy story and um, I'm just glad that, so Alicia and I have been meeting for a, like a while, like well, we've met, how many times have we met in a coffee shop? Maybe four. Four times or yeah. something like that. We've hung out a little bit out, but just getting to this point where we're actually recording this is such a big deal. Um, and I want you to feel that because it's like, oh my gosh, like, cause there's been such preparation in, in her heart and, um, and just like digging some, some of the things that she needed to work on, uh, maybe. And then, um, me with even just starting a podcast, um, how to present a story like this, you know? Um, anyway, so, okay. So Alicia, let's, uh, Let's start from the beginning. Okay, so we met, well, I kind of knew you from a distance because I work out with Tony, your husband, mm -hmm. Tony Coates, mm -hmm. and um, we, I, we both begrudgingly went to a conference that we weren't kind of like you and I, like we didn't know each other, but we met at the conference sort of through that. But the conference was Be Still, and it was at our church, and we both, um, separately, not knowing each other, were kind of like, eh, I don't know if we want to go, or whatever, and we both end up going, and... Uh, right, so yeah. some history on that, yeah. with the hesitation on my side, was um, Tony's been really working on his growth with God, and um, I've seen it, and I've been excited for him, but at the same time, like, whoa. Mm-hmm. This is a lot. It's a lot. I, I haven't seen Tony this way. Um, him having fellowship with other guys that have the same mindset, um, faith in God, and things like that. I was really excited about it, but at the same time, I kind of perked up and realized, oh, if Tony's going this direction, that means Alicia has to kind of work a little bit more on her past and her healing. And I didn't know that I was ready to do that with God in the picture. I've always had God on in my mind, in my heart. I've received Jesus in my heart when I was really young. I've always attended church. I've always um, prayed to God for different things throughout my life. I've actually had miracles happen to me, um, physical miracles. Um, so God has always been in my in my world, in my heart, in my place. But I never would seek after Him for things that I didn't realize I need to seek Him for. Um, denial uh, of my past, things like that. So when I started to see Tony really kind of uh, grasp a hold of uh, bettering himself and being closer to God and following him, I was like, whoa, 
is a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Because that means, you know, does that, I have to too, because I've always wanted that for him and I've always wanted us to be that strong couple in Christ. But then when it started to become more real, it was scary for me. Um, Just not knowing what all that meant for me because I would have to kind of dig up the past and, and actually really heal from the past. So when I started seeing Tony going through that, I was like, that's great, but at the same time, really scary. So Tony signed us up for um, Be Still, the yeah. conference, and he talked about it for, I felt, it felt like it was months he'd talk about it. Like, I signed us up, we're going, are you okay going, it's at Willamette Church. I was like, sure, 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 and I just changed the subject, thinking, when, you know, when the time comes, I probably won't go. That's what my thought yeah. process was. But it was maybe that week, Tony would say, you know, the conference is Friday. And I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, so what's this? And so I started, plans. I started yeah. to ask questions and I was like, well, what's it about? What's be still about? Yeah. Um, you know, you were joking saying we're already still, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's about. Um, and so he kind of gave me a little bit of what it would be about and, so I was like, okay, so it's just Friday night and Saturday morning. And he's like, yeah. So sure enough, Friday night comes along and we're walking into church and um, we go into the smaller room in the back and there's people that were familiar to me, which was good for me because I'm mostly introvert for the most part. Um, I've learned to be an extrovert in certain situations, but I'm textbook introvert. So it's difficult to kind of reach out to people, even if you know them. So I need them to come to me and start a conversation and ask me questions and then I'll open up. So I walk in and I see people I know, but I still kind of tuck behind. I've always been like just behind Tony. I've always felt that like, cause he's, he walks around, talks to people, interacts with people. And I'm kind of on the side and kept quiet really. So we walk in and of course we find the table in the back Um, and I sit down really. And I'm like, okay, this seems comfortable. So I felt really comfortable in the, in the setting. And I was like, okay, it doesn't seem like I need to do anything. Cause I felt the pressure of maybe this is like something I have to talk about. Like I need to answer questions that people might ask. It's like a, like I was thinking it was more of a workshop. Like we're going to have to work on things. And I really didn't want to do that. So when I realized it wasn't, it really was just a couple speakers. And then there was a panel of speakers I was like, okay, this is this is chill. I'm good. Yeah, you know, you're listening. I'm listening and yeah. jotting down some notes here and there. I'm not sure if I'll look back at them or not. Right. Um, you know, so it was going pretty good. And then the panel of guests came up, and I, this is when I think, oh well, I think the devil was really just lying to me the whole time, just trying to fight me and trying to keep me from just even going. And now that I look back, that was my turning point, um, and just really kind of going you know what, I need to work on Alicia and my past and I can't do it anymore all by myself. I need God in the picture to help me through it. So the panel was up there and one of the speakers was Jenna Hayes. And I immediately like had this jealousy about her. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. I knew, I knew why immediately because I was like, you know, I've always wanted to tell my story. I've always wanted to have a venue and brave enough and um, um, be healed so that I could tell my story um, in such a confident way. And when she started to speak, I was like, where does she get that confidence from? And what, how can she do that? And 
And I was starting just to constantly like, that story sounds kind of whack, you know, kind of thing. And I knew that was the devil. I didn't at the time, but I was just kind of like kept judging her and felt jealousy. And at the end of the session, she was selling a book and I was like, oh, I'm not buying her book. I don't know. It's such a weird thing, but it, yeah. I'm never like that, which is right. weird. Right. But for that moment in time, I was constantly like just these these wor- these uh, feelings and words were coming to my head, and I don't normally think that way. I don't normally feel that way about people. And I look back, and it was a devil. I know it was. Yeah. He was just fighting me to not listen to her, to listen to these lies that kept telling me, you know, this is nonsense and, you know, whatever. Don't buy her book whatever. So I didn't buy her book. I left. And Tony reminded me that the next day that the guys go to man cakes. Yeah. And the women, yeah, yeah, the women will meet together and have a little breakfast and a little meeting together. And I was like, Oh, you get to have man cakes. That sounds, I want to go there. I know. Um, and so the next morning, Tony, I know could sense my, um, hesitation. And, uh, he's like, you know what? You don't have to go if you don't want to. And of course I'm thinking, sure, you know, am I out? He's like, just come after man cakes, like for the, you know, for the be still part of it. And, you know, inside of me, I was like, yes, I got out of it. And then I was like, no, I'll just go with you. It'll be fine. And I, through my past, I've worked through a certain thing that happens to me when I'm in a stressful situation. I, often see myself go through things and I feel disconnected from myself and it's almost me putting myself in a protective bubble. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an interesting thing and I've learned a little bit more about why I've done that. Um, but we can go into that later. So as we were walking into the church, I felt that way. I felt really stressed out, um, mainly because I didn't understand what it is the conversations would be like in the women's group. I didn't know who'd be in there. I like to be prepared. Um, and then I also believe that it was of God for me to go there and the devil was constantly fighting me. So <clears throat> I kind of was walking into the situation in a very stressful state um, and kind of in this euphoric uh, feeling of um, watching myself go into the church, but I re- wasn't really. It's kind of hard like to out explain. Of body. Out of body, yes. Yeah. And eventually that kind of dissipates but because I was in that stressful state for the period of time where Jenna was talking in the women's group um, I felt out of body the whole time which um, was very weird and and interesting now that I look back so we walk in the church and I'm like bye Tony you know I want to come with you but I have to go this way Um, he goes to man cakes and I'm like ah lucky dog and we go into this really small dark room and I'm like ooh I know I was in there (laughs) thinking Wait, we're so weird. <laughs> I'm like, surely there could have been a bigger. I don't know. It was whatever, but it yeah. Was, but I did sense something powerful. Yeah. When I walked in. Yeah, and so I immediately don't make eye contact with people. I go over to the food. And I'm like, uh, Tony and I were on a diet at the time of, uh, you know, I don't know how many months it was, but there was nothing for me to eat, and I was like, okay, well, I'll just get a coffee and sit down. But when I'm nervous, I shake. And so I get a coffee and I'm like this. Um, so I like immediately put the coffee down on the table because I don't want my hand to shake and coffee spill all over the place. And I don't make eye contact. And I slowly kind of look up and I see a couple people around the table I recognize. I didn't recognize you because I don't think we had officially no, met yet. No, we didn't yet. really know. 
so I'm just sitting there and Jenna starts in, she prays, and then um, I can't even really recall the message at all. But the most amazing part of it all was she starts in, and what I remember her saying was, um, I woke up one morning really early and I went into my living room knowing I had a message on my heart from God and I just started to write it down. She's like, I really wasn't kind of aware of what I was writing down, but I was writing down what I was feeling, what God was telling me. And I knew at that moment that this message I was writing down was for this group. And I just started shaking. Everything inside of me said, get out of here, go to the bathroom, go find Tony. Like the devil was just hitting me, like, get out of here. Don't you don't you don't need to be here. Just leave, leave, leave. The whole time she was talking. And when she was talking and what she was saying was speaking directly to me and what I've been fighting for years now. Um, and so I was just like, whoa, God's here. Like, this is the Holy Spirit. My whole body was covered in goosebumps. And I was just like, this is crazy. Um, yeah. And at, at the same time, as I was listening and believing that that's what God's word was for me, I didn't want to be there at all because it was like facing my healing head on with God on my side, which I've never done. Um, so afterwards, after she had her message, she asked for any, if anyone had prayer, needed prayer. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't need prayer. I don't need prayer. I'm good. I'm good. Because I knew if I opened that door up, it, you know, it would just all flood in. And uh, so someone asked for prayer. And I was like, oh, good. I'm off the hook. Someone asked for prayer. And we're almost out of time. Yeah. So they prayed for her. And um, still, the Holy Spirit just kept hammering, ask for prayer, ask for prayer, ask for prayer. It just kept hammering me. And if someone was looking at me, they could see something was going on. But everyone was looking up front, right? Right. So at the very end, we are all done with prayers. She's closing out. Someone actually from the man cake man cake, came in and said, hey, you guys are running late. So I was like, okay, my out. I'm out. I'm, I'm good. I don't... And the Holy Spirit just kept pounding me and pounding me. I was like, um, I need to say something. Yes. <laughs> and I was shaking. <laughs> I remember it so well. She was just about to let everyone go. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got to say something. And I go, I need prayer. And I don't even barely remember what I said. It was, I think, something along the lines of, you know, I've been struggling with healing from my abuse from my past. Um, you know, something about I've already forgiven my abuser, but I'm really struggling with healing with my relationship with my mom. I think that's what I said, but I can't really recall. So hopefully, you know, if there was well, a recording I, in that room, but you also, I remember you saying, um, that the guy that was the abuser was out of jail Yes, and that that was something that you were, it triggered me when that happened. Yeah. That, yeah. That that was a big yeah factor two yeah so all of a sudden that bubble that I was in the whole time became really dark and black like I I like blacked out not blacked out really in a physical way yeah. but everyone kind of walked over to me and I was just kind of like in this whoa everyone's praying for me hands are on me I can feel the Holy Spirit and I got up from there and I don't know what the prayer was maybe a minute not even very long I got up from there and just felt like, I don't know, uh, relief. Yeah. And all that shaking went away, that euphoric feeling of not feeling like I was there kind of feeling went away. 
And all I wanted to do was go tell someone. Like, I was excited. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. wow, that was easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was really excited. And you were one of the ones that uh, laid your hands on me yeah. during prayer. And so we walk out of there. And I'm like red eye crying and wait I gotta I gotta just interlude some, or okay. intersect something here okay um, to paint a picture of what it looked like to be an outsider when Alicia um, felt the Holy Spirit um, it was like and I had going with it with the intention of just like okay I'm gonna show up don't know what's gonna happen you know just blah blah blah. But seeing the way that the words came out of her, it looked like, and I know I've told you this before, it looked like someone took a bat and like, <laughs> like, like swung out of her back and she like barfed out yeah, words. Like, it's true. That's what it felt like. Because everybody looked at you like, oh, someone's talking. Like, and not just talking, but you just had like this, like, it wasn't like you were interrupting like, hey, I have something to say. It was like, I gotta say it. Like, <laughs> it was like. It was the one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. And I think it shows just the fight that that was the war that was going on. No, absolutely. And just the, you were not going to leave that room without saying anything. I, I really believe that. Mm-hmm. Like I just, from the way that it looked and it was caught, totally caught me off guard. Like just, I think it caught a lot of people off guard. Just all of a sudden just turned and looked at you like, oh, like, oh, you know, and anyway, I'll always remember that because yeah. it was so powerful, you know. Um, and that's how it felt. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah, you've said that. But like just seeing like a bat on your back and yeah. So I just needed to say that because it was just so you could get a picture of what it was like for Alicia to just blurt it out. Yeah. Like literally just come to in that way regardless of how her body felt mind felt is she just she could not walk away from that situation without saying it yeah so obvious um okay so back to sorry I had to yeah so I you know I walk out and we're going back to our um group setting and I didn't think it was a place to tell Tony at the time what just happened Mm -hmm. so I just said you know some people prayed for me and you know I'm feeling better and blah 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 So then I go home and I briefly let Tony know, uh, what happened, but inside I was like, okay, what next God? What next? What's, what do you have planned? I I'm, I'm ready. I've done the first step and I'm ready for whatever it is that I need to go through. So my question was what next God? And so I sit there and I hear just wait. And I'm like, just wait, wait for what? Just wait. I'm like, okay. So it was a long weekend. I don't know what weekend yeah, what it was. Yeah, what weekend was that? But we had Monday Monday off, and this was Saturday. Yeah. So Sunday came along, and no one contacted me. Like, I feel like, oh, rewind. Someone came up to me. I can't remember her name, but I think she uh, is part of Jenna Hayes's... Um, Pearl Projects? Pro, yeah, Pearl Projects. Uh, she came up to me with a card, and she's like, we have a program for you. Um, call me. So I, and I think it had an email address. I can't remember. So I ended up emailing her on Saturday because I was stoked. I was like ready to go. I was on fire. And um, I emailed her and I didn't hear anything. I'm like, okay, well, not everyone like responds as quickly as Alicia does when she's. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was like giving her the benefit of the doubt. And then Sunday rolls around. I don't think I heard back from her again. And I'm like, huh. And then I finally did hear back from her. I think it was Sunday night. And then she gave me more information about the program. And the program's called Mending the Soul. And um, 
so I contacted the group leader. Lo and behold, uh, Joe Dunbar's wife was the oh, group yeah. leader, but they're moving. Right. And so I, I noticed it was her, and I emailed her. I go, I know you're moving, but I'd really like to be take the next step and be part of this group. Um, I know I need community because I'm often trying to just deal with my life all by myself. Mm -hmm. I always have been. I've never reached out and had community and, um, you know, groups of people that can come together and, and work through things um, together. Um, but I, I think it was someone in um, the Be Still conference that says you need community. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what does that even look like? I don't know. I have to join a gym, to, you know, like Tony does. So I don't know. Um, Girl, so, start working out now. So I realized Mending the Soul was a, a community type group that you can work together um, and, and work through a workbook and things like that. That's a different story, but I'll tell you later. So uh, I reached out, then um, emailed her, didn't hear back from her. And then Monday came along and uh, I think it was Tuesday. And I was still like, oh, okay, so what do I do now? I don't, I don't even know where to go. And you sent me a private Facebook message and introduced yourself. And I was like, oh, this is what I needed. I needed someone to reach out to me. I like needed that um, someone to approach me on the topic that I need to work through. And all along, you were fighting the fact yes. that you didn't want to reach out to me because, oh, she has friends. Why would I reach out to her? I don't yeah. know if you want to say that. Part. Yeah. I was like, on my end, um, when you say, like, when you're, those little lies that you were saying about, like, say, Jenna, like, you were jealous or yeah. this or that. Like, for me, I was like, I never have, I don't, I mean, do I get jealous? Yeah, I do, but not really. Like, I wasn't jealous. It was more like, She's so pretty. That was the first thing. And and I've never not talked to somebody because they weren't pretty or because they were pretty. Like that's never like, it's just so weird. It's just even stupid saying it because it's just so not me. But like, I think I thought you were in, a little intimidating. You know, you're quiet, you're beautiful. Like I just thought, oh, Tony's outgoing. Cause I knew kind of knew Tony's personality. I was just like, well, Tony, they probably have tons of friends. They don't need, she doesn't need anybody like reaching out. Like, and to know that, like, how vulnerable would you be? Like, would I be prying too much into your life to say, hey, are you okay? Right. You know, um, because obviously it was a big deal for you to say that. I could sense that. But also, like, you were, yeah, just like these dumb little lies that I was just fighting against. And I think I probably, now looking back that we're talking about it, I know we've talked about this a couple times, but, like, I think I felt prompted almost earlier than Tuesday to reach out to you. Looking back, I think I, the thought probably crossed my mind and I was just like, no, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. when you just like get this like little glimpse of like, yeah. you know how it is? Like, you're just like, it's like a, like a hair in the wind kind of thought. Right. And that's why I think that the just wait yeah, of God telling me just to wait and be still, hence the <laughs> <laughs> ironic the irony um, I know. was him working on you yeah I, and obviously more to come to just be still and wait right is him working in other pieces of my life as yeah. well but I think one of the first pieces of puzzle was him working on you and sending you little messages saying contact her and you're like ah no she has friends yeah what, like what's she, the deal that's a big story she probably has yeah freaking I don't know um but 
I'm so glad I did. And I'm so glad in relief when you responded quickly too. I've never told you that, but, um, well, there's nothing worse of waiting and to hear back, like, especially if you put yourself out there. I know. You're like, oh. well, I, but the, I went into it thinking I could probably never hear from this chick again. Right. Like who's a psycho trying to. And that's all like, I wanted was someone to reach out to me, which is awesome that you did. I was so excited and I was just like, oh, this is awesome. And then we set up our coffee date and yeah. I felt like I was going on a first date. Right. I was like, okay, what do we well, wear? What do you, how do, do I hug her? Like. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't even know this person. Right. But I'm, I was willing to meet with you because you stepped out in faith to reach out to me. And it's really gotten me in a great place. Um, just to be able to realize that um, there's people out there like you. Because I think... I think people, there's a lot of people out there like you, um, but they don't step out in faith to move forward and contact someone. You don't know what's going on in people's lives. You have no idea. Just saying hi to them and having a brief conversation with them probably would mean the world to someone that doesn't necessarily reach out to other people because of either things that are going on in their life or things that, uh, you know, in the past or even current or they're extreme introverts or whatever it is. Um, I know I've always been told that I'm intimidating. I go, well, I don't know what I'm doing to be intimidating. This is just a shell of me. This is what God gave me. Um, But inside is not. I'm just like you. So it's hard for me to understand how people see me. And so I kind of have to, I have to kind of uh, be, I have to put myself out there in certain situations so people aren't intimidated. Yeah, so I have to. I, for, I've had to grow to be right. an extrovert, even though it exhausts me right. completely, um, so that others are re- can receive me as who I am and not well, just. Well, and introverts get kind of a bad rap for that. I feel like. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, in right. a way. Yeah. You know, um, I have. I'm raising two introverts, so I understand their now. Yeah. You know, but um, I. Yeah, so it has nothing to do with intimidation. Like, I don't know. It was just, it's just, a, I don't know why that is that way. Yeah. But not anymore. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but like, right off, like, even just opening your mouth and saying a word, you would not, you'd be like, oh, she's so sweet. You know, like, it's just yeah. getting to that place where you're like having a conversation, you know, right. or whatever. But we did meet for coffee, um, and it was really awesome. And, um, yeah, I could like talk for days. Yeah, it was just an easy like. I was just so glad that we got to connect and knowing too that even it was a step of faith for you too, just to even meet for me to like again another step of like, just where is this gonna go? You're, you know, I'm thinking okay, I'm not gonna pry. Uh, I just want to know if she's doing. She's doing okay. She's got the support that she needs. That's kind of as far as I thought. Right. And then who knows what you were thinking, but you know, and at this point. The podcast wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. This was just really like us I was thinking of just someone that's a true friend. Yeah. I have a, a couple that I feel that are true friends mm-hmm. with my with, with me. Um, and I've been able to share my story with them. Um, outside of a, a, a true friend for me, it, it's, I wouldn't say difficult to share my story, but I don't see the need to just be all deep on people all the time and you know what I mean but I've always wanted an outlet 
to share my story. Right. Um, I've envisioned myself up on stage at church, um, but I'm like, ooh, that sounds scary. And then I'm like, <laughs> well, do I need to quote scripture? Because I don't have, like, I know the Bible and I know what God's uh, plan is going forward with my life. I don't know it, but I know there is a plan. But I, I envision myself up on stage at church, and I, I sound, it looks like I would freeze over if I did that. Right. So when I met you and we started talking, I think it was our third time talking, you brought up the idea of a podcast. And I immediately said, I'm in. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't think I've – I think I was at that point mulling, okay, who would be – how would I even do this? Like, I – with the podcast, okay, first of all, back up to what you just said with the, um, telling your story. I just had a thought in my mind and it was like, you needed before the, forget the podcast. Like had you, I, I, like, I see the thought very clear. It's by you saying what you said at Jenna's thing or at that sunrise service gave an automatic way for you to tell your story, even to someone like me. Right. Like, you needed to tell your story. Part of your healing. Right. Right? So, I just feel like because when we did meet at that point, we already had that established mm -hmm. in some ways. Yeah. I saw you in a really vulnerable state. I reached out to you. You, we already had the foundation of what it would take right. in that way just to even tell your story, even just to me. Right. You know what I mean? Which yeah, is kind of cool to absolutely. think about. Like I didn't really think about it. Like, I mean, I knew the comfortability factor, but just the actual like build up to that, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like, so we happened to be scheduled for coffee and I was just like, well, this is what I'm up to. Uh, I'm starting a podcast, uh, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to ask her to be on the podcast, but like, it was such a natural, like, okay, I am doing this. And then I was, was I going to ask? I don't know. Was I not going to ask? I don't know. I can honestly say I was just kind of like, I'm going to tell her I'm doing a podcast because that's what's going on, you know? Um, and then you were like, that's right. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm in. And uh, I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, but I will say afterwards, <laughs> I realized I was like, oh, what does this mean? Like, right. I mean, we live in. West Lynn, which right. is a big town, but a small town. Right. I'm like, you know what? It's okay. I've I worked through a lot of the, well, this is going to be out there and, you know, who will hear it. And and then as I've been going through my um, uh, Many in the Soul group therapy, which is 15 weeks long, could be a little longer. How far are you into it right now? Seven weeks. Wow. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of pieces of that puzzle that I'll talk about later, but I started to realize I have, it's not, I have nothing to hide. I, my goal of telling my story is it's obviously healing for me. Um, but it's also wanting to reach out to other people that have maybe gone through something similar, um, or worse, um, uh, to, to message them and let them know that, you know, there is an end to the suffering, um, I suffered internally for years, um, just fighting the demons, not realizing um, that I could get healing. Um, I thought I had to do it all by myself. Um, and then I also want to reach people that maybe have not gone through something horrific, but they can see people in a different way no matter what. 
Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what the exterior looks like. It's really about getting to know people, reaching out to people when you don't even know why you're reaching out to them. It could make a huge difference. And I think that's why I think you reaching out to me has been such a significant piece to my healing. Um, so just, you know, reaching different groups of people by hearing my story and what I've gone through mm-hmm. to get to the healing side of it all is really um what I'm most excited about. Yeah. I mean, a lot's happened since we first, cause it's, what is it? It's May now. And so January really was the kickoff to all that. Yeah. Well, actually I think it was like, now that I think about it, I think it was like mid to end January. Really? I think it was like towards the end. So really in a short amount of time, a lot has played out, Yeah, you know? Absolutely. It's moved really quickly and it's been awesome. So, I mean, we can continue um, drawing out the story yeah. <laughs> and not go to the depths of everything right. just to keep people listening. Yeah. Or we could just hammer it right in. I, I've i always looked at my life in segments or yeah. chapters. Right. Um, one morning, I always kind of get this fresh kind of, even in the middle of the night, um, perspective on things. I think that God, God is speaking to me, um, through my dreams and just, Mm -hmm. you know, as I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm sitting there thinking, I thought I want to write a book and, you know, people think that, and it may not have ever happened, but I started writing down the chapters of what each chapter would be called. And I go, well, that's pretty legit. Like that chapter, I think it's eight chapters and I always think of the number eight because the symbol forever. Oh, I yeah. thought that was pretty cool. Um, so I think of my life in chapters. I've written it down. I don't have it memorized. But the first chapter would be, you know, before I was even born. Because whatever happened to my mom um, in her life before I was born impacts her children. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, my infant stage and birth would be another chapter. And I think the next one would be... Um, the happy stage. We had a happy period in our life. Um, and it goes on from there. But what I, what I think about of my mom, um, from before she had my brother and I, she had us at 19, my brother and 21 when she had me, which to think about, I'm like, wow, that's really young. Yeah. Um, but before what happened to my mom throughout her whole life was, uh, several layers and different types of abuse that happened to her and it didn't it didn't become more real to me until I started going through mending the soul and there was a a page about the different abuses that happen and the impact to the person that gets abused on that particular abuse and I was like that's my that my mom my mom mom." and I started realizing all the things that she went through even after we were born of different types of abuse that impacted the way she was, she loved us and she would protect us in any way, but she had the inability to think clearly and see what was happening in our life. And when I reached out for prayer at that morning session, that's what I really wanted to find healing on is why didn't my mom see what was happening in my life? What she, she was in the same household. Why? Um, and now that I've gone through uh, several chapters of mending the soul, mending the soul, yeah, yeah. Um, I've realized you, someone that's abused, especially so heavily in different kinds of categories, abandonment, physical, mental, spiritual, 
um, you don't process things the same way and you don't see and you don't react to situations the same way. So yes, she was raising us as best as she possibly could with the tools that she had at the time um, and trying to survive. Um, but I look back and I immediately when I, I've learned why, I'm, I can forgive her because that's where I had a hard time of forgiveness is not understanding why. Right. And once I read through this chapter, I was like, oh, so it's this mending the soul has been really educational for me. And the more education I get about abuse, about abusers, about the impact of the brain and how, um, you know, every types of abuse can impact you different ways and how you process that information and all of the stuff, it, I'm like, oh, so was it really so that in easy? that like, education was it really that easy? for me it was and so, I think it's because I've, I'm at a place in my healing journey to receive that got it um it might not be the same for everyone I've gone through a couple sessions of therapy and I can talk about that later but to look back at my mom and go oh she had a pretty hard life like yeah. from beginning her mom abandoned her when she was really young and five other siblings um, and never to turn back. Uh, horrible. I can't imagine doing that to my kids. But the abandonment issue and all the other abuses that she went through, and I won't go through all of them, but it, it was eye-opening to understand the impact of what those abuses did to her um, and in her inability to see what was going on with her own child. Um, but I will say, um, once she had me, um, she was extremely loving. I have lots of fond memories of just the lo love and warmth that she had mm -hmm. for her kids. She loved us and still does. Um, and we had a period of time once she left my step, my real dad, who I've never met, um, abused her physically, mentally, um, but took us out of the household at a very young age. I think I was still in diapers. Um, and we had a life, just us three, my mom, my brother, and myself, um, in California, we lived, um, I would say maybe six or seven years happy. I just remember those happy memories in that period of time. So that was like, how old were you then? Infant to like six or seven years old. you remember that? Yeah. Wow, that's I remember amazing. because, so my grandpa was there. He, he was the manager of the apartment complex we lived in. So I always remember running through the grass and him yelling at us saying, get off the grass, <laughs> the grass isn't made for that. Yeah. Um, so, and we had a playground that we'd play on and just fun stuff my brother and I would do. We'd get up in the window naked and show the neighborhood kids. Oh and, my God. Yeah. Just all those funny memories that, um, that time in my life, I just have really fond loving, happy memories. And then my mom met, um, uh, my stepdad, one of my stepdads, um, in church and, uh, they immediately got married. I, it seemed like a whirlwind, like they got married and he moved us away to, from California to Texas. And I, I didn't know, understand why. And so I just, you know, obviously have to go along for the ride. Um, but I recently just talked to my mom. I was like, what was that time frame? Cause it felt like we had gone through so much during that time frame. She's like, it was like a year and a half. We had moved from California to Texas in Texas. I had broken my leg and had tonsillitis. Oh, I think yeah. I was like a second grader. I missed so much of school and the educational differences between Texas and California were so different. 
I remember my mom talking about Texas being more advanced or something at that time. So I was kind of slow to learn and all the stuff. So I ended up having to do second grade over. Then we moved from Texas, I think back to California or to Oregon, but at some point from Oregon to California, and we ended up living in a tent. Um, and this whole time, and then we moved to a couple different houses in California. I remember two different. One was this big house and then one was an apartment. At the same time, I'm moving from schools all over the place. Right. Like I, my education is, second or third grade. yeah, was kind of all over the place and my brother as well. And he was abusing my brother at the time, sexually. Oh, the first? the My first stepdad. Your first stepdad? Yes. Okay. Um, so my brother ended up telling my mom. Okay. I didn't know what was going on. I was very young. I only learned this later. Um, and she immediately, you know, left him right. and went through some court situation and things like that. And he was out of the picture immediately. So my mom didn't know what to do, so we fled up to Washington State where um, we had a couple relatives, one of my aunts. And I recall living with my aunt for a period of time. I can't remember how long. And I do remember my mom going out to a hospital, and I learned later that she tried to commit suicide. Um, but I didn't know at the time. Um, I was living with my aunt, and my brother was li living there too. Um, and then eventually we got settled in, in an apartment uh, in Tacoma. In the meantime, we were homeless some of the time. I remember living in a shelter for a period of time, a woman's shelter. And then we eventually lived on Martin Luther King Drive, which, you know, Martin Luther King yeah. is always kind of the bad part of the neighborhood. Right. right. So we were living in this uh duplex uh white duplex and uh for a period of time and we were going to a word church there and i loved the church it was awesome and um she met another man and he uh came to pick her up i remember this very distinctly um he came to pick her up for a date and he comes up to the top do we're on the top duplex he comes up the stairs and he comes in and i just had this like ugh, like Bad feeling? Bad feeling. I was maybe fourth, fifth grade at the time. No, fourth grade. Um, like and I remember age. telling, I can't remember if I told my mom then or later. I go, he's kind of creepy. Like, I don't, I don't know my exact words, but I said, I, he doesn't make me feel comfortable. Oh, it's just because he's new. And I don't remember exactly what, what she said. So uh, one date turned into all of a sudden they're getting married. I don't know the time frame. It just felt really fast. Yeah. Um, and... We move out to a small town near Bremerton called Port Orchard, and I saw, oh, he has a house, he has a car, he has food, he has things that we've never had before. And I was like, huh, this can't be too bad, you know. Right. Move out there, uh, they get married. And at this point, you are how old again? I I was in fifth and sixth grade once we moved up there, so okay. I, had, I had been starting fifth fifth grade. And his house was a one-bedroom home with a basement. The basement was, like, very unfinished, um, had that musty-type smell basement. Yeah. Um, very low ceilings. Um, so the plan was is to put in two bedrooms and a bathroom down in the basement while we were living there. In the meantime, we were sleeping on the couch, and I think there was this, like, front um, sunroom where there was a makeshift bed, so my brother and I were kind of sleeping in the living room area. And... Um, Huh. Sorry, I just had a flashback. Um, oh, weird. Um, 
And that's when, I mean, the abuse really started happening. Uh, it started off small. Uh, there was a bathroom upstairs, and over the bathroom was a skylight. Which, who puts a skylight over a bathroom? That's weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was taking a shower. I was fifth, sixth grade, fifth grade. Um, taking a shower, and he would be on the roof looking in through the skylight at me. Because the, the shower was right over. It was a, just it was the yeah. old tub, clawfoot right. tub with the, oh, okay. you know, you pull the shower curtain oh, around right. so, so you, you can see, see the, top. the top. Yeah. And, and the skylight was literally right over the top of the shower. And I look up and, and he'd wave like it was a game. And I think back, I was 10. I'm like, okay. I, I guess at the time just thought he was just messing around you know just playing a game and I was growing but I wasn't like you know full-blown puberty (laughs) right and so it made me feel uncomfortable but at the same time I thought well it's not hurting me right um I have a roof over my head I have food my family's finally settled down stable I have a school that I can go to and for a period of time and not be moving all over the place I don't know that I was thinking this maturely at the time, but I feel like there was some thought process behind not saying anything to my mom. I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to have to uproot us all because he's playing this peekaboo game, you know. Um, Pausing that for a second. You were saying having these mature thoughts. Like, that would be like my daughter not telling me she's 10. Like those are sometimes it just baffles me how deep and how how kids really really do see and know exactly what's going on. Right. I mean, that's just like a seventeen year old could be saying that, but right. you're ten years old. Right. You know. Um, okay, continue. Sorry. Yeah. I had to say that. It's just okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just no, it's, baffles it, it, me. It's just like yeah. You just knew. That's just so much adult thinking. Right well, there. we had gone through so much right, right, um, already right. and just being in a shelter, living in a tent, um, having, you know, two dads already, um, moving around so much was horrible right. on me. Um, I developed anxiety to go to the next school, to go to the next school. I had to reintroduce myself to the classmate. You know, it was just a lot for, especially I think for an introvert to have totally. to process it's hard enough to go to school on the first day anyway I mean let alone a new one all the time right. so I think that impacted me and um just not feeling secure not when we lived in Mar- on Martin Luther King it there was times where we didn't have any food I remember eating a piece of bologna and sharing it with my cat like that's all we had like and wow. I was like okay well I'll split it with a cat because it needs to eat too um and my brother and I would walk, my brother and I would walk to, um, the grocery store with food stamps. And so if we were walking the grocery store with food stamps in a really terrible area, and I remember having one of those metal carts dragging behind us, it was just me and my brother. So we were, I was fourth or third or fourth grade at that time. And so he was just two years older than me. That's right. young. That is so young. We would never let our kids do that And now, we didn't but, even yeah. know, like, how much to spend of the food stamps. So we would, you know, so there was a lot that we had to take care of. There was a lot of maturity going on there. Did growing people help up. you in the store when you were, like... I don't remember that. Okay. Uh, I don't remember. Like, so, yeah. 
we'd go down to the little store and buy milk for the house and there was always crazy stuff going on at the store i always remember smelling incense and i didn't understand it right. <laughs> so anyway so the peekaboo things started to happen um we i was either sleeping on the couch or this like makeshift bed in the sunroom area um and one evening or one middle of the night i woke up uh with him over me and I looked, I'm naked and I didn't understand what was going on. And he had a camera and I'm like, uh, and he kept saying, go back to sleep. You're okay. Go back to sleep. I just have that flashback of me being naked. He had a camera, he was dressed, but he had a camera and he was over me. And I was like, so I went back to sleep. I learned later he was drugging me and that's why I was so lethargic and I was able to just go back to sleep. But the next morning, I would have, like, a flashback. I'm like, did that really happen? Like, wh what was that? And what was happening? That happened a couple of times upstairs before the bedrooms were built downstairs. Um, and it was frightening. It was scary. And yeah. I didn't understand what it was. And so the next day, I wondered if I imagined it. So then I didn't even know if I was imagining it, if it was real. Do I say anything? No, because I want security. I want a house. I want, you know family to be protected and this and that so all along I was just not sure what was going on um, and then slowly but surely the two bedrooms downstairs were getting built and my brother and I had to help build them so all of our extra time was go to school come home help build the, the bedrooms downstairs so we have like we had to dig ditches and do all that crazy oh, stuff geez. and things that you, it's weird to think you'd have a child do um but we did, we helped out. Um, but it, uh, that was kind of the start of my, uh, non-social side of me. Like I could never go out and do things with social, socially with my friends. I always had to come home and work on the house and working on the house seemed to never end. Like there was always projects. So that the bedrooms downstairs got built and the bathroom got built. And, um, then there was an area of the downstairs that was still his workshop. He, he worked on wood. He, did things. Now that I think about it, I'm like, what the heck did he do? I don't remember seeing anything that he actually created right. other than just kind of remodeling the house. Um, but it's significant because his workshop had a door that was always locked. And I was like, why is he always locking the door? And he'd say it's for safety or whatever, because he had a big saw and all that. And the point to the downstairs bedrooms was he never finished it. There, the trim around the door frames was never trimmed out so you could see right into the bedrooms the closet between my brother's room and my room was never finished so you could go through my brother's room and go through my room through the closet um, and those are important because he started to kind of look through those areas to look in on me as I was dressing um, and that became daily and so I'd constantly have to hide from him Jeez. to like I would literally find a corner where I know he couldn't see and dress in that corner um, and that went on for years and years and years. And, um, he'd also look through my window. He'd like stand on the side of the fence and look through the window at me while I was trying to get a peek at me. Um, and then I caught him putting some sort of drugs in my, um, waffles. One day I came home from work. This is fast forward. Like, cause he would knock me out at night and do whatever he was doing to me at night. So I don't have any recollection of any of that unless I actually woke up. 
So I don't know how much of that happened. Um, but I do remember coming, I worked at Little Caesars and I came home from work and he's like, Hey, you need to eat. I've made these waffle waffles for you. And here I'm putting powdered sugar on it. Well, I saw like, like a pill thing over there and I saw him like do something with it and I refused to eat it. And he got upset at me and I go, I'm not going to eat that. And it was only because there had been other incidences of me waking up in the middle of the night, passed out in my bathroom completely naked and having a burn on my face, not knowing what happened um, because he was drugging me. And there was times that my pillow would have like a certain scent on it. And I learned later it was the chloroform that they use to mm. make people pass out. I, I, is that what it's called? Yeah. Chlor- yeah. So he I mean, was doing yeah. things to me that I was unaware of, but there was times where I'd wake up from it and not understand what the heck was going on. Um, and then a couple other times he would come in my bedroom and I'd wake up with him standing there. Um, so eventually I got smart. I moved my dresser in front of my door at night. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what to do about the closet. So I would rearrange all my shoes and make sure I knew the pattern of my shoes. So if he was to go through it, I'd know that he went through it because they'd be messed up. So crazy to have to do that. Well, and you had said too, when you told me this story, is that during the day... Oh, it was like we were a big old happy family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yet, then at night, it was like Creek Town coming in. Yeah. But... Yeah, so, so during the day... Um, I put on the happy face and, you know, I was probably a teenager going through my moods and emotional roller coaster. And I, I remember my mom saying, don't you remember saying that and being mean to me? And I was like, no, not really. I probably had my own troubles going on. Yeah. You're like, um, that was the least of my concern. Um, but during the day we went to church every Sunday. He prayed before every meal. Um, uh, he was very manipulative in terms of, uh, you know, if I had a doctor's appointment, he was the one to take me. Um, and he would actually start to make up things like, oh, I think that I'm very moly. I think those moles might be cancerous. We're going to have those looked at. We'd go to the dermatologist and they're like, eh, probably not. But, you know, if we need to have them taken off, we can have it take it off. One of the worst things that I still have a scar from is my birthmark. I was born with a birthmark on my lower, lower back. And my mom says, uh, you know, when, when I was delivered, that was one of the first things she saw. And so he insisted that get taken off. So it was very hurtful. Yeah. And now I have a scar of that memory on my back, um, to have that taken off. And he insisted, and he was so weird that he wrote a letter to the doctor, um, that I eventually got a hold of that said, um, you know, she's very nervous about being in the operating room without me. Um, I really insist on me being in there. I don't know if he had some fetish about like surgeries or what it was, but the doctor's like, no, you're not allowed to be in there. Like kind of thing. And the doctor asked me, he's like, are you aware of this letter? And I was like, no, I'm fine. And that's how I learned about the letter because the doctor asked me. And I was like, no, I'm not aware of that letter. And no, I'm fine. I don't need him anywhere, you know, whatever. There was a time where I was having like stomach issues. So he insisted on taking me to get a, um, uh, when did they flush oh. your bowels out? Oh, an, a, an, an enemy? An, Wait, no. An enemy? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? A, a colon. No, oh, that's a. No, it's. Um, well, whatever. An enemy. I mean, an no, enemy? It's, no, wait. <laughs> a sea enemy? A sea enemy. <laughs> 
Anyway, um, I had like a colonoscopy, but it's not. So he forced me to get that done. Wait, Kalana, Kalana. No. All right. Well, you guys know. We don't know, but okay. <laughs> he forced me to have that done, and it was just humiliating. And he was in the room when it was all happening, oh like the camera God. in there, and it was just. There was things like that that happened to me that he was just weird and manipulative and um, uh, Was awful. this the same doctor you were going to every time? I don't remember that. Okay, I was going to say, yeah. I was like, surely that doctor was, Yeah. I now looking back, like, I don't he remember. caught on to a weird guy. Yeah. Okay, so. So all of this was happening, and as I'm getting older, obviously, my thought process is becoming more mature, and I'm getting more and more pissed off at everything that had been happening to me and, and more smart, obviously, um, obviously not eating any food that he'd possibly give me that he made. I wouldn't eat anything that he gave me, um, <clears throat> in fear of him poisoning it. Um, but the interesting thing about, it was eight years. It was from 10 to 18 that this was happening. The interesting thing about all of that is there were periods of time where nothing would happen. And I was like, okay. I I would constantly pray to God because um, God was always there right next to me. I never blamed God for anything. I knew it was the devil working in his, in my abuser's life to do what the things that he was doing. Um, Which is, I think I've asked you that too. Like, yeah, I've never... When you told your story the first time, I was like, were you mad at God like when you hear someone going through something like this it's just like God where were you yeah I mean he was right there I'd always pray to him I'd I'd actually ask for um uh, his forgiveness towards my abuser and ask for my abuser to find him like those are the prayers I would pray and I still pray that yeah to this day um I always wanted the best for him I never wanted ill towards him I wanted to get out of the situation so bad that it was like so off you could see just the straight evil. Oh, it was, yeah. It was so off. Oh, like, so It wasn't off. subtle. No. It was off. Yeah. Okay, um, so. And how deceiving he was during the daytime and acting like everything was just peachy keen and crazy. Right. It's like crazy, like so like mental. Like, yeah. Um, but I would pray to God and ask for, um, you know, his healing, him to find him. And so there was periods of time, and I can't tell you how long the periods of times were, but they were wonderful because I didn't feel like something was going to happen to me during that time I was like oh you know this is finally I yeah and I I I can get out of this situation and not have to say anything to anyone or hurt anyone um and then it would happen and then it would it would get stronger and worse um there were times where and this is as I was older and so I'm all grown up and have woman parts and everything And there was a time where I did something, but I never did anything because I never wanted to rock the boat even more than what I had to deal with. So I had done something, and I can't remember what it was, and he says that I had to, been, I had to be spanked for it and uh, that we were going to do it in the garage because we had this big garage in the back. And I was like, no, I, you don't know. I'm too old for that. And he's like, yeah, you need to be spanked. So go out to the garage, and he had... I learned later he had cameras set up videotaping it all. Um, and he was like doing light spankings on my butt. And I'm like, so I knew it was him just sicko mind. It wasn't me being punished. Right. And I was just, at that time I was just like, Oh, this guy's disgusting. Like I, how do I get out of this? And all I wanted to do was turn 18 and leave. That's all I wanted to do. Like I thought that was my out. And until 
the day came when um, my mom had gone away to a weekend retreat for uh, something with our church. And I think it was Sunday, he got a call to come pick her up. And um, I knew he was busy down in his workshop near our bedrooms, but I didn't know what he was busy doing. He had the door locked. And he ran out of there in such a hurry, he forgot to lock the door. So my curious little brain goes in there and sees a big container with pipes running from the container. And I followed the, the like tubes, like flexible tubes. I followed the tubes throughout. Oh, and by the way, our ceiling of our bedrooms were never finished. So it was open wood, like wow. old beam ceiling. Okay. So really all our bedrooms were like four walls that were never finished. And so I followed the tubes and one went into my brother's room and one went into my room. And I just immediately like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Freaked out. And as soon as my mom walked in the door, I hardly remember all the details, but I went up the stairs and I said, mom, we need to talk. And at some point she saw the look on my, her face, my face. And she's like, grab your keys. Cause I had a car by then. And she grabbed her purse and we ran out the door and he came chasing after us with a gun. And we got in the car just in time for us to get out of there. And we drove somewhere. I have no idea where. And I just blurted out, like, someone hit me in the back and blurted out the whole story of my eight years of abuse from him to my mom. And, of course, she's completely devastated and completely off guard and shock and believes me. Um, But what didn't know what to do. And I remember going to a hotel. Rewind, Tony and I met at 15. Um, which is an amazing story in itself because I, one of my prayers to God when I was young was, can, can you just bring me a strong, stable man to be with me for the rest of my life? I didn't want the get married 15 times kind of man. I wanted a strong, secure, stable man. And lo and behold, I meet Tony at 15 and, um, of course, the abuse is going on at that time, but I don't say anything to Tony. And um, I had really strong values of remaining a virgin, and I made sure Tony knew that, so we kind of stuck to that. And he accepted Jesus in his heart when he was that age, too. Um, so at that time, when I finally told my mom, uh, we went to a hotel. And I don't think we had cell phones back then. Where was your brother in this? I have no idea. Okay. My, so he just... So I know my brother, he was two years older than me. Um, he was there, though, because he would have had the... Why would he have the tube in the... Yeah. Right? I. So it's funny because um, uh, th- through everything that I've gone through, I've learned that you are in a constant fight or flight mode and your brain operates differently when you're in that mode. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered, like, why the heck do I not have any good memories of that period? Like, I look back and I go, I remember all the the bad things that happened to me. And I have a couple things here and there. But I'm like, I don't remember my brother during that time. I barely barely remember any good memories whatsoever. Um, It it almost is like that part of your brain shuts down to protect you. And the fight or flight part of your brain, I don't have the technical terms, takes over. And it does that for protection mechanism. I don't know. 
some people, their fight or flight comes in and they forget everything that's bad that happens to them. And it kind of, they have to go back and bring up that junk that they can't remember. Um, so for me, I remember all the bad stuff and I don't have any good memories. One of them is I barely remember my brother. I remember going, he had a newspaper route. I remember doing that with him. Um, I remember once he got his car and, you know, giving me rides to school, but I don't remember him in the picture because I was dealing with so much secretively that that just consumed me. Right. Like I could barely do my homework. Like that was your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I barely made life. it through high school. I think I got C's and D's. Like it was horrible. When I met Tony, he's like, why are your grades? Cause he's straight A, like superstar. <laughs> and I have no idea what he, what that even meant. Like, why would I get good grades? I don't other than what I'm learning. Uh, sure. Whatever. I didn't understand the grades, you know, got you into college. I didn't, no one helped me through all that. I didn't know. And plus I was struggling through everything I was dealing with. That was not on my priority list. So when I met Tony, he's like, Oh yeah, let's, you know, um, get, get your grades up and you have to go to college and all this stuff. And I was like, that's not something in my long-term plan. It, my long-term plan is to get to 18 so I can get away from all of this craziness. So. Cause he was, you were 15. He was 16. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He went away to college my senior year when all this broke out. Um, so when my mom and I went to a hotel that day, I remember calling him and telling him, I can't even remember his reaction. Maybe I was thinking he's going to leave me or whatever. He's not going to be with some crazy girl with crazy family issues. I, I might've thought that I have no idea, but of course Tony didn't cause that's just not the type of guy he is. Um, but I do know that, you know, he was probably pretty shocked and not and beside himself and not knowing what to do or how to support me and anything like that. Um, I do remember during that hotel stay, my mom going into the shower and just bawling. Like I, I could hear her just like weeping, um, probably for me and for the loss of her husband, who she didn't realize was doing all this bad stuff. Um, <clears throat> and weeping for the fact that she didn't probably know that it was going on and she didn't protect me. Um, then after that, it just seemed kind of like, uh, my life was good because that's how I wanted it to be. I didn't want to have to deal with anything. Well, I always thought to myself, oh, it's not, I knew it wasn't my fault. I knew it was all him. So I didn't feel like I needed therapy or anything. I didn't feel, I'm like, oh, I, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. It didn't really affect me. Um, until, you know, it all came down on me, um, later in life. Um, well, pausing there for a second, the tubes back to the tube situation, you had said that this is, I think is just crazy, which is a miracle that you found what you did find because he was planning on yes. killing you yes. the next day. Yes. That, that night. That night. So at, at, you know, my mom went through the court system through all the trials. I don't know all the details cause I didn't attend any of the trials. I met, I had talked with the judge at one point about my story. <clears throat> there was so overwhelmingly a lot of evidence that there was really no need for me to be drug into the court system. Um, pictures so they they got a um warrant for the house and immediately they found the abuser at um 
the bank withdrawing all the money and um and then had a warrant immediately to go search the house and found um a trunk or trunks i don't know but a trunk full that was locked full of child pornography um and other stuff that was incriminating to him obviously there was pictures of me in there and things like that um through the courts my mom was amazing went through all of that uh you know and I said, I don't want to do, mm-hmm. I don't want to be anything. I don't even want to see his face. Like me fleeing in the car with him pounding on my window was the last time I saw him. And I didn't want to go to the courts and see him and do all that. And so I didn't have to, thank God. I think it, it would have been hard for me. But my mom did it. And amazing that she was able to get through all that. He ended up... Um, uh, there was some part of the courts that, or uh, the testimony where um, it was revealed that that night he was planning on killing um, the whole family, my mom included, and um, possibly killing himself because they found a gun under his pillow. Um, so it was just amazing in God's timing um, that that moment where I realized this has gone too far, that I need to say something that and my mom was there to intercept yeah that um that could have been the end of everything right that yeah and i'm just thinking as you're saying it too is like when your mom comes back i mean for her thinking about her where she was at coming back from a trip and as soon as you come up the stairs and she must have known just looking at your face like what is going like just the sheer terror Mm -hmm. um what must have been going on in her mind? Like, I mean, just, you didn't even, you both didn't even really re like you didn't even have time to read. I don't even you know if we said anything. It. I just, I remember saying, I need to talk to you. And she knew exactly that we needed to leave the house to, to have that conversation, not go sit on the couch. And it happened so fast. It happened like a, like seconds. Did she know, like, do you talk about that with her? Like, do you like, um, we she- actually just recently had a little trip together and we had, uh, some conversation about that because she filled in a little bit of the blanks that I didn't have. I don't remember him having a gun, but she remembers him chasing after us with a gun at that oh moment. My God. All I remember was him how can how fast can I get to the car and lock the door? Yeah. Um, so he caught on pretty quick that you were saying something. Right. I mean, it could have been a different story. Him with a gun. Well, and then I learned that he had wrote a suicide letter in my like as if I wrote it, he wrote it saying, you know, um, I've killed myself basically. Um, I, I, anything that comes out about, so, you know, my abuser is something I've made up. It's not true. Blah, blah, blah. So he was, he was very, um, manipulative and he knew what he was doing. He, he had a whole plan. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. So I immediately just like, I want to, I want to just forget about what all that happens. I want to have nothing to do with my past. Um, didn't really think at the time that I was affected by it because I really didn't feel like it. I just wanted to be normal. I wanted to have normalcy in my life. I wanted to go to work and get dressed in my house and not feel like someone's watching me and, you know, taking advantage of me at night. I, I wanted freedom from all that. I didn't want to have to deal, not thinking that I actually had anything to deal with. Um, so I never went to therapy at that moment in time. 
um, moved to Seattle. I went to college, like a junior college in town for a period. So you, were da- so you and Tony were dating. You went to junior college. He was at University of Washington. Um, so we were about an hour away on ferry boat from each other. So I'd go over there on the weekends and hang out with him and then come back. And for about a year, I think I went to the junior college. And then finally I moved out to Seattle. And I just got a job and worked there and got him through um, school for five years. And then he got drafted by the NFL and we moved out to Ohio and still I'm just kind of living the dream. Just, I want to, this is it. I had a rough childhood and I don't want to have a rough adulthood. I want to just be, have life. And I, you know, God was always there obviously, but I kind of uh, didn't always turn to God in situations throughout this time. Um, he was in the NFL. Uh, we got hooked up with the, um, the, uh, 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 team, uh, minister there or pastor. And so we started hanging out with them and his wife and having Bible studies and things like that. But I still feel like I was walking through something that I wasn't really wanting to like hard, hard to kind of describe it. I was going through the steps to be perfect to have a perfect appearance of what my life should be like, but wasn't really feeling it. Like there was, I had extreme anxiety through my twenties, like every social, um, event that we would go to, it could be just dinner with a couple. I'd have extreme anxiety beforehand and through, and then as I settled down and became comfortable with my environment, the anxiety would go away. I didn't understand what that was all about. Um, I started to think, well, why am I getting this anxiety? I started to think, well, maybe it's because I never had any social interactions growing up. I never could go to the movies with my friends. I could never, you know, go to their house and have a slumber party or whatever. I, it was, I didn't have that. I didn't develop that. Um, so when I had all that freedom, I felt anxiety about it because I didn't know how to act. I didn't know who would be there and what it would be like. So all through my twenties, I struggled with extreme anxiety um, social anxiety. And, uh, randomly enough, uh, once I had Caitlin, my firstborn, that anxiety kind of just went away. (laughs) And I remember thinking to myself, well, why am I not feeling anxiety about this? And I thought, well, I had a kid. Why would I be anxious about going to dinner? I just birthed a child. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I started to put everything in perspective as I got older and, and worked on that. But that was really through my twenties of just kind of using logic I, yeah. to talk you up through yeah. Something, yeah. something, yeah, which doesn't always pan out, I yeah. feel like, but still, I mean, it could temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. So we were in Ohio for a bit and then we moved back to Who, Washington, he played, he played, Cincinnati Bengals. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and thank God, I mean, I, that was quite a event to live out in in that area right. um, you could have been like those tv football wives oh that, like, <laughs> never alicia yeah right oh yeah i could see it i could see no just kidding. Uh, oh, so we moved back to washington <laughs> state for about six months uh before tony transitioned to chiropractic school down in california he had already gotten accepted in before he was drafted it was just put on hold so we uh, moved down to California and started our life down there. He went to four years of chiropractic school. This is all really blah, 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 but it's important because the whole time I was just living the dream, just 
putting everything that happened to me uh, in in my past behind me and not facing it sure. um, until it all kind of started to crumble down when um, first when you when I had my kids um, and they start to get to an age where you're like wow um, they're young and how was my mom able to raise us at this age like little things like that like I would think back well wow my mom was going through so much when she was trying to raise us at this age and I'd realize her age she was much younger than I was when she was raising us and going wow you know that was a lot of responsibility for her to take on because once you have when before you have kids you don't realize and sure, when you have kids right. you're like holy crap yeah this is a lot the side of the head. Yeah, right sure. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you never think it'll end it'll just keep coming at you and right. so um as the kids got out of their infant stage more in the toddler preschool kindergarten stage I was like wow my mom had to raise us and do everything that she went through, um, you know, through her life. And, um, but it didn't all come crashing down until I received a letter saying, um, I have a certified letter at the post office and I need to come pick it up. And I was like, huh, I wonder what that is. So I went to the post office, picked it up and, uh, opened it up. I think I was in the car. By myself opened it up and it was a letter from the courts saying my abuser had been released from prison and I thought back and I was like yeah he had a 10-year sentence it's been 10 years and thinking that those 10 years would go by a lot slower and that that was a lot of time now I look back and I'm like that's why do you only get 10 years right that's not like people that did murder yeah and first of all just for a side note attempted murder they probably didn't have the evidence like full evidence for that so i don't think he he got charged with incest because i was his daughter oh, by right. he adopted, adopted you. Yeah. um child Jeez. pornography and a couple other i don't Ten know years. all the different okay, things yeah, but i look back and i'm like and i hear the news now and i'm like people are getting certain sentences for way less things than what he did right Right. 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 <laughs> so that, you know, I, I read the letter and I was just like, whoa, he's out. What does this mean? Will he come down here and look for me? Like all this, like, whoa. And it, I got anxiety over it. Everywhere I went, I saw his face. Like someone that had a similar feature about them, I thought it was him. And I, I started actually following a couple people to make sure it wasn't them or him. And I realized it wasn't, obviously, but I started thinking, well, now I got to protect my kids. He's out. What if he comes down and he tries? I don't know. Did you and your mom talk about it? No, I didn't talk about it with anyone. I didn't even talk about Tony. Like, that's how I dealt with things, all internalized. And I think I learned how to do that because throughout my abuse, I never talked about it. I never shared it. I learned how. part of your life. Right. I learned how to deal with it all by myself. And that's how I dealt with it through my 20s even though I didn't realize I was dealing with it I was dealing with it by avoiding it avoidance um and I also became really numb to it all I uh, I've been learning um one of the things that happens to people that are abused go uh, can become numb they become numb to their world emotionally um things that they like or dislike they don't really have uh, hobbies I always wondered, why do I like anything? I, I, there's nothing that interests me. Tony's off doing this, playing poker, doing this and doing that. And Alicia's just, what? Tony's wife. I didn't have any interests. I didn't. And it's because I made myself numb to everything. I'd never cried 
like ever. I, I wondered why. And I would think back, I'm like, when's the last time I cried? Because I was numb. I was numb. I numbed myself to protect myself. And, uh, now I, now I cry all the time. Yeah. It's a great great thing. (laughs) But, uh, so yeah, I got that letter. Didn't tell, didn't, I told Tony I got it and that he was out, but I didn't talk about it. Cause I really, I probably do even know how to articulate what I was feeling or anything. I didn't tell him I started stalking people around our neighborhood. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> so you were 28 though at the time then? I was 28. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So 28 ish. letter. Yeah. Um, cause it was, he was in jail for a period of time before he went to prison. So the prison sentence started later. I think two years later after I had already said everything. So I must've been 30 ish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, I learned while he was in jail, he got beat up got his nose broken. I guess that's what happens to sex offenders. Yeah, that's I've heard that still happens. But when I heard that, I felt really sorry for him. It didn't make me feel like awesome. He got payback. It didn't at all. I feel This is what fascinates me about you, honestly. I, like <sighs> I'm sitting here thinking I I I just have to say and I I'm wondering I'm curious as to how other people listening to this feel because it's really hard for me to hear you know, I, I even, you know, I, I mean, I can't imagine how Tony feels like, or that he had to, what he felt like and yeah. your mom, of course, yeah, and your brother. Yeah. Um, but like just being your friend, I'm just like, God, I just, it's so hard to like, know it hurts. I hurt for you in that way. I mean, I'm glad that you're okay. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's just my, like, I, I'm thinking in my head, oh good. He's getting the shit be out of them you know like good okay yeah you know that helps a little no i, I felt so and bad you for feel him. bad i'm just like i you did feel bad i feel good right now thinking that that happened to him that's where i'm at so i'm just being honest yeah so no uh, i i understand okay. i we all have you know we all have our own thought processes and things but that was my immediate thought and it's still my immediate thought i it's still your immediate thought. i want you I want, want him to yes. have complete salvation. Right. And... I know. Yeah. I know. Yes. I want that for him too. I just sort of don't <laughs> sort of just have like that. Maybe I need to sit on it for a while. Or I don't know. But it's just, I, I guess I'm a protective person. Right. I'm a very protective person actually. Now that I think about it, that's probably part of it. That's just my nature. But you're a soft, not, I mean, yeah. But okay, so let's... I don't know if I'd feel the same way if someone someone did something to my kids. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Right, I'm true, yeah. Okay. Mama bear. Like, I will... Kick your <laughs> behind up. Well, yeah. It's hard to say, because, I mean, that's my, you know, that's my blood. That's my world right there, so... Right. Anyway, so letter came, my world came crashing down, didn't really know what to do with it. Uh, you know, we attended church on a regular basis for the most part. Um, and in church, I never felt moved and it could have been the church. I don't know. But I also know that I had my guard up. I had a constant guard up that I was not going to face what I was dealing with. The more I realized I had something to deal with, the more it came heavier and heavier and heavier on top of me, like a black cloud over my head. And not talking to anyone about it whatsoever um, got even darker. Mm -hmm. And 
So we were down in California for 15 years. Um, Caitlin was 10 and Christian was seven when we moved up here. So we've been up here four years now. It was about that time where uh, the darkness got even heavier. Um, my levels of depression, even though I did not show it to anyone, was deep. Um, did you know it? Feel it? Oh, yeah. You knew it was yeah. happening? But I didn't know what to do with it, and I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to stir up anything. I wanted just to have my life that was that perfect life without any drama or trauma or anything. I just wanted to live. Um, so I didn't want to open that door because I didn't know how much work it would be and how disruptive it would be on my family and my relationship with Tony and me in general. So I just kept denying it. Um, but the darkness got so much where I would think – daily I think about suicide um thinking of ways of how I could commit suicide but then thinking I couldn't do that you know I couldn't leave the kids I wouldn't want to do that I couldn't hurt them that way kind of thing but it was constant and it got worse and worse and worse and then got to a point where uh Anything that was uh, negative that was going on in our life, it could be the kids are just not wanting to eat the food that I just prepared. I would immediately go into this dark place of, why am I even here? Mm. Kind of thought process. It just translate to right. that. So why, mm. and I think about, well, how, how my family would get along without me. Well, they seem okay, you know, with just talking back to me constantly. So why am I even here? Like, that's the darkness that I got into of thinking well they they seem capable of right. living without mom here giving instructions that they don't follow kind of thing mm -hmm. and I wasn't thinking obviously clearly but and then it became to the point where um if the kids would gripe about something like uh Christian never wanted to go play basketball he never wanted to go to basketball practice he would complain the whole time and I'm like well, you understand how much you have. Like I had nothing. And so I started to like, uh, put that out onto my kids as if they understand what I went through, which they don't, um, right. cause they don't know what I went through and they've never had to experience anything like that. I wasn't allowed to join sports. I wasn't allowed to do anything extra activity. So when my kids would gripe about these things, I would be like, you have no idea what you have and all the things that you've been given and blah, 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 blah. And I'd get angry about it mm -hmm. and, and feel like resentment. And I'd start thinking back to my life and feel resentment that I never got to experience those things. Right. And then I started to feel, woe is me. Like, you know, only if I could have had this type of life, how I would be different now. So it's just like the spiral effect. It just kept over and over daily, daily, just hounding me these last four years, um, especially being up in Oregon. Um, so it wasn't until, uh, I think this time last year, I sought out therapy and I found a Christian counselor. Um, she didn't have the same kind of alignment of my thought process and my beliefs, but uh, she definitely had the foundation that I needed to just get me in the right direction. It was kind of weird when I was searching out a, a uh, I don't know the difference, like a therapist versus a psychologist. Psychology. She was a psychologist. Psychologist can pres prescribe She could prescribe medicine. medicine. Yeah. When I was searching one out, it just seemed like every door kept shutting. Like, no, their office is full, or no, they don't treat your type of abuse, or no, blah, 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 blah. And I wanted someone local because I didn't have time to drive out to totally. Kingdom Come. Right. 
So I found this lady and, um, she was a little flighty, a little all over the place, a little crazy. Um, but she's gone through her, her own levels of abuse in her life, which is weird that she shared that with me. I didn't think that they're allowed to do that. So, um, right. anyway, uh, and I understood why she was a little flighty. Um, but she immediately was like, well, do you want to go on drugs? And I go, no, I want to be healed. I don't want to mask it. And I go, what are other options? And she's like, well, I do do this therapy called rapid eye EMDR. EMDR. Huge fan of it. Yes. Ra- yeah, I know. It's like, uh, it's for eye movement. Eye movement. Yeah. EMDR. It's amazing. And um, at first I was like, well, is it hypnosis? And she's like, no. There's studies that show um, they've done it with post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. syndrome, people from the war and people have had trauma in their life, car accidents that they've witnessed bad things, that kind of stuff. Um, they use this and there's studies that show, you know, when you're sleeping, your rapid eye movement is your brain processing information and kind of healing from your day kind of thing. I couldn't articulate it like she did cause I have no idea. But I was like, okay, so, well, what's this about? And she's like, well, during, you know, when you're awake, we, there's studies that show the same thing can also process information and help you think differently about what happened to you. And I was like, well, how does it work? And she says, well, what we do is we map out your life. Basically she'll sketch it out as you're talking and she'll connect the pieces and there's different memories here and different memories here and all the people that have been involved in your life. And she uses that information to pinpoint on certain areas that you need to uh, kind of rethink how that happened. It's not erasing the memory because I obviously still have all the memories. It's processing it and making it a the little. The feeling goes away. The feeling goes away and you reassociate that memory with something else. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, um, my abuser's last name is Bump, which, of course, what a terrible last name right. for this person. And... Any time I would see a sign that said speed bump or bump, I would think of him. It was horrible because they're everywhere. Right. Yeah. So I'm constantly being reminded of him on a minute to minute basis as I'm driving around. Like seriously. Um, So uh, this therapy, uh, she basically talks about a situation or a memory or something that brings ill feeling towards you. And she asks you how you're feeling at that moment. And she'll even have charts of words that you can use to articulate that feeling of how you're feeling. It could be frustrated. It could be shame. It could be whatever it is. And then she's like, okay, now um, she has like a stick with a ball at the end. And she's like, just follow this ball with your eyes only, not your head. And you follow the ball while you're thinking of that thought and that memory and that feeling that you're feeling right now. And then a couple minutes later or so she would drop it and she's like okay tell me what you were thinking and so you go through this process over and over and over again until she the last time is typically when you're like completely like oh (laughs) so how I erased not erased but got a different feeling from the speed bump thing was she articulated a story about uh, a, a word another word that means bump um for speed bump that she learned about. And it was kind of a funny word. And so now I think back at that, I think back at that and I go, Oh, and I laugh like, wow. so it's not erasing the memory right. or anything, but now I've reassociated that memory with something funny and the feeling is different. 
Um, so we went through that with several of my memories that I was just kind of stuck in um, and kept uh, it kept just jabbing me. Um, so I didn't go through every single memory, but I went through the ones that were pretty horrific for me. One of the memories was is he would always go outside and, and shoot at the pigeons on the wire outside. Oh, my God. Yeah, and they'd be on the sidewalk just dead. No. And I'm an animal lover, yeah. of course. Oh. And and so every time I, I he did that, I, it would just horrify me. And I just, I didn't feel safe. I felt, you know, just he's a bad man for doing that kind of thing. And so that was one of the memories I had to kind of work through. And, um, you know, not look at a bird on a wire and think of him. Because that's what I would do anytime I saw a bird on a wire. Um, so it it's crazy because I think, you know, He's out of prison. Um, he actually tried to get his record r- erased because um, I a couple of years later after getting that letter, I got a call from uh, the courts saying, um, you know, he's trying to process uh, paperwork so that he can get his record clean. Um, and we need you to help us fight against that. And I go, I don't. Was this in Oregon? This was in California before we moved up here. Okay. I go, I don't want anything to do with that. And I go, right. but what is the likelihood of that happening? And she's like, very slim. Like, he was charged with this, and he has to have it on his record. Yeah. It's not something that is easily taken away. But I often think back, I wonder if it ever was erased from him. Because then I I feel a little bit like, <clears throat> although I'm healing, and I'm on my path of complete healness, um, it's like the abuser can, get it, can serve his time and just be done with it. And then the abused continues to suffer. Right. Right. Well, and that and the fact that um, I think when you've done something like that, what's not to not happen again? I mean, he if that was erased, as he healed, I don't know, you know, I mean, yeah, but I certainly wouldn't want to happen to other people. I doubt he got, I doubt it. I don't know. At this point, it doesn't matter to me, but right. it, just to think that that is possible, it's kind of like unnerving. And so, how did they? So they they okay. So you got the letter when the certified letter, and then how past that did you get the thing? It was about like Hendrick? a couple years. A lady so, called me from the courts asking me to be part of the jury like or be part of the your number. Like how, oh yeah, they have to keep you on they file. Keep you on file. Yeah, because they can't have you living near him and all that, so they have to keep in contact with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they okay. have to know a sex offender cannot be, I don't even know what the distance is, but there's a, there's laws. Okay. So at, even at this point, so like when you were worried about him trying to find you, it would have been illegal for him to anyway. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah. But I got to the point where I was constantly looking him up on Facebook to see if he had a Facebook account. And then I started to worry, well, what if he is pretending to be someone else? And I'm, you know, engaged with him on Facebook and I don't even know it. Like I started to get oh, paranoid. Right. Yeah. yeah. My Facebook account is private, but I still, I, my immediate thought, which is weird, is whenever someone from my hometown friends me, I'm like, ooh, this could be him. Cause I knew he moved back there after his prison sentence. Oh. I'm like, oh, do I know this person? And like, I'd really be cautious of accepting friends from mainly my hometown. Just sure. cause that thought process came in my mind. Like he could be pretending to be someone from my high school yearbook. Well, think that... about how much he manipulated you Yeah. when you believed him. Yeah. So 
Of course. I mean, it, you're smart to think that. Yeah. I, I would think. But it's know? it's it sucks yeah. to have to th- yeah. think totally. through those kinds of things after something like that happens. So I went through the rapid eye or the EM. DR. Whatever. Um, DR. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad with oh acronyms. Um, and, you know, before each therapy session, I'd sit in my car because um, I didn't want to go. I didn't sure, want to, yeah. but I knew I needed to. Right. Um, I'd sit in my car and, and pray. A quick prayer. God, just give her the wisdom, your words, and, and, your, and what you have planned for me through her to me. Um, and through, I don't even know how many weeks it was I was with her, but she said towards the end, I'm like, okay, what do we talk about now? Cause it felt like we we're like just hanging out now. Like there was, right. we got through everything I needed to get through. And she's like, you know, this is the fastest I've ever seen anyone process through this process, go through this process. And and I credit God for that, for that quick healing in me, um, because I'd pray to him all the time beforehand, give her the wisdom. He knows how much we can handle as well. And I think he knows that I'm the type of person that needs a quick, like, I can't keep lingering in something. I need it to be fixed. Mm-hmm. I can't years and years and years. I need, I need closure. I need, like, I need this to work fast. Otherwise, I'm going to get... I'm going to get uh, anxious and I'm going to be like, I don't want to keep doing this. I need it to go and to be flushed out of me mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. Um, and I, I believe that he knows that about me. And that's how I've been with anything. If I have like a little angst with Tony, I need to fix it right now. Like I can't, we can't just like keep it lingering or never work on it or never talk about it. It needs to be like fixed. Okay, we're good. Check. Let's go. Yeah. Kind of thing. And that's just how I am. Um, so she was thrilled that it worked so well and I was too. And sometimes I look back and I'm like, was I just fooling myself? And then I'm like, no, it actually helped a lot. Like that was my first initial step in, in healing. And then the next was, uh, to be still and let God start to work in my life. And part of that was attending the be still conference and meeting Jenna having stepping out in faith and having people pray for me meeting you and just telling my story now um yeah. now that i've been going to um mending the soul seven weeks in like i said it's just been really educational for me so like so at the therapy you felt okay so okay at that point it's back up here you were this is in oregon or not in oregon? this is oregon yeah okay, so this, this was oregon. last year oh this was last year okay so things got hard in the last year. And then, so then, but what was it that kind of crept up? Like you were like done, you know? What crept up for me to go to therapy? I think. No, the, not, not the oh. first time, but the, what crept up for when you were like not wanting, is it that you didn't want to bring, like when you were saying, I didn't want to go to the conference. Um, I didn't want to face what I had to, there, there was just so more. Well, okay. So there yeah. is a, there is a gap there. So after my therapy, I knew there was still some healing I needed and I know I needed God to be part of that picture. Like I knew it. Um, but I but didn't did you know. Give, it was like his timing. You think it was like. I feel like it was his timing now so, that I look back because okay. 
I kept asking God, okay, so I know I need you, but I don't know how I'm going to go about needing you. Like, wh- where do I go? Do I just open the Bible and start reading? Like, I don't know where to begin. So you're talking about comes, more like a relationship. A relationship with God that was part of my healing. Got it. And Got it. Jenna Hayes' book that I did eventually buy. By the <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> Didn't you buy it like the next day or yes. something? Yeah. Um, uh, talks about your identity in, in God, in Christ. Um, and I was like, oh. And, and once I read her book, I was like, oh. You know, I, that's what I need is my identity in Christ because throughout my life, I, I felt like, who is Alicia? I don't have uh, anything. I don't, I know I'm married to Tony. I'm Tony's wife. I have these kids, but I had no interests. Um, I didn't know my identity for me as a person in general, um, let alone my identity in Christ. Um, so it all kind of the pieces started to come together after therapy. I knew I needed to complete my healing walking with God. I didn't know how to do that though. Right. That's, this is a big subject. I didn't know. I like, do I need So when they ask for baptism, do Mm -hmm. I go get back? I don't know what, what do you do? What that looks like. Do I just start from chapter one in the Bible and hope something sparks? I don't know. And so, uh, without unknown and not necessarily, um, you know, kind of reaching out to anyone. Tony has been working on his own self and, you know, invited or signed us up for the Be Still Conference. And that was the next step to my um, healing, not just healing by myself, but healing with God next to me. Well, and it's almost kind of like, it's like healing, but it's also kind of sounds like self-discovery in Christ. Mm-hmm. Like a new chapter. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. This is my healing chapter. <laughs> yeah. What if it's your healed chapter? I don't know what actual healed looks like. So is there a final chapter called healed? I, I assume so, but I don't know. I'm, don't I'm know. not there I mean, yet. I feel like... I don't think I'm healed completely yet. Okay. Are we ever completely healed from... Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I mean... I just see this as like, yeah, in so many ways you are healed. Like the healed. Well, yeah. I mean, if you say it that way. Yeah. You're healed in the, um, the trauma part of it. Like I see your process is like, how I see it is that you got to this point and now you're more, you're sharing your, I mean, when you're, when you're at the point where you're sharing your story. There is about a 99.9% chance you're healed, I think, you know, because, okay, say for this, there's always going to be hurt. There's always going to be things that come up and God's going to knock on your door and be like, hey, let's work through that, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's every human on the planet. Right. But at the same time, it's like, I think this is like a new season for you. I think this is a new season for you, right? Yeah. And, you know, just to rewind a bit, um, when I asked for prayer at that morning session, I asked for forgiveness towards my mom. Right. So that was an area. You could not picture I didn't understand. So uh, when I, when my kids got to the age where I started to be abused, 10. Yeah. I was like, whoa, my daughter is 10. And this is when I started to be abused. And that's when it really got heavy on me. Right. That's when that black cloud got heavier and heavier and Christian turned 10. And I was just like, whoa, like uh, how did my mom not see what was going on in the household where I'm clearly 
Right. Oh, understanding right. what's going on in my household at all times. Mm-hmm. And I can see mood fluctuations. I can see change of behavior. I can see, you know, everything. Um, and so that's when my feelings and not understanding my mom came in the picture and got really awful and uh, uh, kind of a dark cloud over me about why how did she not see what was going on didn't she question why the doors were locked like what was going on and so uh that's why I asked her prayer that day not just to start healing but to find forgiveness in my heart towards my mom and um her and I've barely talked like we have little things here and there throughout these years of conversation um and I think it's but like you like see each other yeah. More often, but you wouldn't talk about it. Is that what you're saying? And then, but now you're kind of, yeah, you would see each other. How many, like a lot? Well, right? the, so all through my twenties, we were living in Ohio or California. Oh, right. So she wasn't really so, around. So yeah. And, um, she wasn't really around. Um, she lived up in Washington. We didn't see her very often and we had some issues, uh, mother, daughter kind of issues that we had to work through at there. There was a point where, there was a lot of things that she was going on and dealing with um, that became very stressful for me. So I cut her off um, and, you know, talked to my grandma and I said, you know, if anything good happens with my mom or anything bad happens, call me. But right now I can't have that stress in my life. So there was a period of time where I think it was maybe four or five years I didn't even talk to her. Um, and then we started to rebuild our relationship um, and through letters and then eventually, you know, connecting through phone calls and texts and things like that. And um, then as we moved to Oregon, she moved closer into Washington down to Vancouver. And we were able to see her much more, not as frequent, but much more. But there's still that kind of, I, I don't know where to begin conversation. And I don't know that it needs to happen. Totally, um, right. So when I was talking to my group at Many in the Soul, um, one of the ladies had mentioned, because I was telling them that I was going away to uh, Lapine, Oregon for three days with my mom to go visit my grandparents. And I wasn't sure, do I use that time to talk to my mom about everything I've been going through? Or do I just like, I don't know. And they're like, well, if the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will bring you a situation where it just comes. It just will naturally happen. It's not something you force. And if it, if it never happens, it never happens. And eventually you'll be healed from it anyway. So, you know, right. whether you talk to her or not. Um, so that trip came and we were driving up to uh, Lapine. I think we had literally just had coffee right before you were leaving yeah. for that. So I'm, I'm, anxious, I'm and curious to hear what you're about to say. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't, Again, I was just kind of letting it be, let, let it be. And if it happens, it happens. Um, but there was one significant thing my mom said while we were driving. And I, I remained quiet when she said it but because I needed to think on it. But she said, obviously, she's been going through a lot of healing herself. She's had to heal from all the different abuses and things that she's had to go through. Um, and she's doing tremendous work. She's amazing. She's someone I would go to for any kind of, um, spiritual, um, guidance and things like that. She's heavy into, um, her relationship with God and, and doing the works of God and things like that. And when, so when she has something to say, I listen. So one thing that was significant was that she had said, as she's been um, going through her healing, God 
uh, said to her that whoever she prays for, um, they will receive their healing 10 times faster. And so that, it gave me chills when she said that. And she's like, just so you know, I've been praying for you. And so I internalized that. And once we got to the house, I was like, um, just so you know, like when you said that my healing would be 10 times faster, it's true. I'm, if you think back to my EM, whatever, she was amazed at how quickly I was able to process the information and, and, you know, get over it. The timing of be still and me blurting out, I need prayer. It's been five months and I feel like I, at first going to mending the soul was difficult for me, but it was like maybe two weeks and I'm like, this is awesome. I want this to last forever. I want to keep going. Like I want, I want this, I want this process and this healing and helping others to continue. And it's been five months. I know that's nuts. So when she said that, I was like, oh. Like goose pimples, yeah. I got everything. You just saying that, like her saying that, so, you saying that. Yeah, and so I um, was of God, um, right. obviously, and um, so with that opening of that door of just saying that to her, um, you know, I talked to her a little bit more, but I told her, you know, as I've been educated through what abuse does to someone that's been abused, I see her in a different light, and that has enabled me to forgive her for not seeing what was going on with me and it's just been okay what next (laughs) wow you know kind of thing because all I needed was to be educated on what happens to the person that's being abused and she went through so much in her life not to minimize my abuse but she had several different types of abuse happen to her and that enabled me just to be educated about that and the impact on that particular the brain of someone that's being abused and their inability to process and think through things and clearly make good decisions, like not marrying someone that's a creep, um, right. it doesn't happen. It's not it, – because no, their brain is functioning different. Wow. And it makes sense because a lot of the things that things that I don't necessarily am proud of, I've made bad decisions in my life. And I think back and I go, oh, not as an excuse, like, you know, because I was abused, I made these decisions – but really, it is true. I mean, with the, the the stuff I've been learning about, the what's happened to my brain and how I'm able to process it and make decisions based on uh, my abuse starting at age 10, um, I've learned that... It started at age 8. At age 8, yes. Um, I've learned that um, your emotional side and your inability to kind of grow in certain areas of your brain stops. right. So once you're out of it, you're kind of resorting back to that age. You're um, stunted. Yeah, basically. So it's it's been eye-opening, very educational, and with that education has helped me to heal. Wow. So let me ask you this. I think, well, not asking, I have a thought. I think when you realize your identity is not tied to the abuse that you have suffered and been in, the clearer that becomes, the more healing. Oh, absolutely. You are. So, it just seems like wow, you're you do not look at that. I mean, you just it just seems so much more clear. Like just, but I did this, this I did associate this. it with my identity for right. years exactly, which is why I think you weren't. That's why I think you're healed now right. versus where you're not healed then. Right. Right. 
I mean, like I said, I think there's always, I just think that this is just such an amazing chapter of your life. Like, wow. Like this is just so cool. And I think it's just beginning. Like, yeah, absolutely. Totally. This is just the beginning. Yeah. Um, I definitely. And where Tony is now in his relationship with God, um, we're just kind of at the right space to keep just growing stronger. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Him and you guys. And it's just, it's so crazy. So crazy. Awesome. Wow. Well, Alicia, we've covered a lot. I think it would be cool if after Mending the Soul, so you're week seven, right? Yeah. We're chapter seven, week seven. I don't know. Week seven. Week seven. And then it ends week 15. Yeah. I think it would be cool to come back after that and see how much insight you gained. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, um, I'm actually doing some healing work on myself. Like things have kind of crept in. Um, one thing that, and so wait, when we get together those 15 weeks, maybe we could recap like where I've, where I'm thinking about things and you're thinking about things Yeah. and whoever's listening, maybe they're thinking about things. Um, but, um, it's even kind of hard to talk about, but like, I've kind of mentioned it in some other podcasts, but, um, when Brian and I lost our house, like, um, uh, I don't even know how, like in 2010, I guess, like it would happen so fast. Like that house, I'm not like particularly tied to things. Like I like to think I'm tied to things. I think it was more, um, moving from Texas and leaving my family, having my firstborn, knowing that I needed to be close to family. My parents couldn't help. They're in a place of raising kids. Like I needed to be by family that could help. And so moving to Oregon was such a big deal and leaving my family. Mm -hmm. Like I rooted myself very deep in, in Redmond, Oregon. Um, very, very deep, so deep that I didn't realize how deep it was until rug underneath. Right. So during that process of um, losing the house, us, Brian and I trying to flounder, you know, we were floundering and all that kind of stuff. You know, of course, God praying, wondering, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was 30 and um, uh, we lived with some great friends, which was an amazing other experience, which I want her to be on this podcast too. Annette, if you're listening, she's not listening. She's, I need to technologically catch her up on some of this stuff, but <laughs> she will listen to it someday. But anyway, um, she, so anyway, long story short... I, after we got out of all that crap and, and getting to Portland, which is Portland was like literally the last place I wanted to live for many reasons, but, um, I won't get into that, but, um, I came to a place where Brian got a job, a good job. Um, you know, I had to go overcome a, a death that, um, is another thing, but which is not, I mean, which was kind of a shock to the system as well. But like things started to look better. Let's just say that in a, in a fairly short amount of time. I mean, first year, really rocky, second year better. So two years of really just hard hardness, but like light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing, you know? Um, but it's not until recently, um, I went to this night thing and uh, a bunch of women and stuff. And I felt like God, uh, we had to like put, um, on this like piece of paper, something that we want to just be free of, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, so I 
kept thinking, I've been, had been thinking about our house. Um, I have reoccurring dreams of the house that we lived in. Like I would go to the house and I would like redecorate or I would go in the house and I would see someone had put something different in there and I would go in the house and I would see that we're, we're moving back in. I would go in the, I mean, freaking mm. recurring freaking dream over and over and over for like all these years. Right. Okay. And I'm thinking it's like, oh, well, you know, I just miss the house or I just miss that time of life. And then my, I randomly was like telling my sister-in-law and my brother, Kev, um, he's a therapist too. He does a lot of EMDR, but he was like, uh, that's PTSD. <laughs> like you need to, if you have a recurring dream where it's like, you don't wake up and you're feeling like refreshed, that's trauma that you haven't worked through. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, what? I'm okay. Like, look at me now. Right? It's like, what do I not have to be thankful for? I have healthy kids. You know, I could, the list goes on, right? Yeah, there's some problems here and there, but not compared to what it was, right? So, God, why is this happening if I've already, like, worked through this, right? Or at least thought I had. And um, he, ever so gently, and this is what I love about God, is that he was just like, I want you to in his, in the way that he was working, he's like, I want you to write this down and I want you to think about it, how you felt when that all happened. And what he was showing me was, he's like, he cares. He, cause I'm in my logical mind thinking, I'm fine. I'm okay. You know, blah, blah, blah. And he's saying, Tiffany, I know you hurt. I know that hurt you. I died. I died for that hurt that you felt. Don't, don't dismiss that. Don't dismiss that. It's your pride. And in a nice way, it's like your pride is like thinking that you've overcome this. And I want to be, I want to heal you. I want to, you to tell me those feelings that you felt. And I tell you what, I went on a run and the first thought I thought when I actually really started to feel like, okay, I'm going to think about this for a minute, follow the breadcrumbs someone has told me, follow those breadcrumbs of thoughts. And the first thought I had was, is God, we got that house ripped underneath our feet so fast. I don't even feel like we had a chance to even say goodbye. Or we didn't have a chance. Like we didn't have a chance. Like we didn't have a fighting chance. It was all gone. Like you took it away. And, um, and I didn't realize how much that sat there. I Hmm. never would have thought because I'm so focused on being grateful for what we have rather than God saying, no, I actually really care about that thought that you had of just losing that. Right. Um, amongst other things too, which we won't get into, but I just thought, wow, I mean, he did not want me to let go of that. He did not. And so I just felt so comforted that like what you said with, um, he knows how you are. Like he knows quick fix, you know, like he wants to, I'm like, I felt that way too. It's like, I could have totally lived my whole life and not gone back and thought those thoughts. Right. But he wasn't going to let me not. He wanted me to say, you, that really sucked, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And I just think, so I'm, I am doing some of my own little things too, of bake, breaking down and, and having the thought of like those negative things that happened to you. He's like him being on the cross and his blood over that cross was because of all of these things that have happened to us. He died for all of those things. Right. So when we take on those things that 
we think are ours to take on, he's just like, no, you don't have to. (laughs) I did that. Like, come to me, you know? And I'm just like, it's a whole new light. Like when someone says, oh, I'm struggling with my pride. I'm like, it's such a different, in a different light. It's like, well, is it, it's, it's pride technically, but it's, he wants to take away that pride because he wants to show you how much he loves you, what he died for you. Right. Right. And that with your relationship with God, I mean, takes it to a whole nother level of just like depth. It's not just go read your Bible and feel close to God. It's not go have this prayer, feel close to God. It's, it's like surrender. And And that's ultimately what I feel needed to do and did. Isn't it amazing? But I was scared because I didn't know what that meant. Right. To surrender. What hell are you going to walk through? Right. That's going to happen. And to your surprise. It's been easy. It's been easy. (laughs) I mean, and think about how. You were like we were saying with like Satan trying to stop that. Yeah, he oh, wanted he, you. He fought to me be miserable. Well, he fought me all through my twenties and thirties. What am I forty two now? I always forget how old I am. Yeah, when you're past forty, it's like uh, uh, <laughs> thirty nine and counting. <laughs> um, but he fought me all through those years, even when I didn't know he was fighting me. And then it got harder and harder and harder the more I started to pursue. Uh, something to fix it it could have been you know trying to fix it on my own first I had to recognize it and it only became recognizable when I started to become overwhelmed when I got the letter and then my kids were at an age where I started to process things so then that's when I started to recognize that I actually was hurt from my past because before I didn't even recognize it I just thought oh I'm good he's behind me I'm going to go forward and live my life. So I didn't even know there was pain to deal with. Um, So once I recognized it and then I started to, because I like to fix things. I'm a fixer. I like things to be fixed. So when I started to recognize that there was something that needed to be fixed, I started denying it. And then as the more I denied it, the more it got harder for me. Um, And that I believe that's the devil just constantly making you, you. no, you, you're good. You're good. Don't no, no, no. And it got even harder and harder and harder as Tony became closer to God. Um, it, it just became even darker and darker. And that's that's a devil attacking you and keeping you a hold of all that crap that you're dealing with. So you don't seek God. Um, and it was that moment when, uh, you know, I got hit by a baseball back, back, bat in my back. That like bat. you described that, that all all the way up till leading till then was him just like leave go to the bathroom go find tony go do this go do that don't even go you're fine blah 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 blah, blah. it that was just like a war that was a flat out <laughs> mental and i look back at that and i was like wow that was amazing actually <laughs> right yeah. it was cool like that was happening to me there was and a I, battle and i followed through Right. Because there's you been did. times where I've had that and I don't follow through. Right. I've sat in many sermons and churches and uh, things, situations, Bible studies, and I've had that quickening feeling and that goosebump feeling yeah. and that fight, that flight feeling of wanting to leave. And I don't follow through with the Holy Spirit telling me what to do because I'm too afraid to cross over that side. But I finally got to a place where I had to put the fear away and I had to say something. I almost wonder, like, if you had tried to walk out, you'd, like, trip and fall. Like, <laughs> like, I 
I am sincerely convinced you were not going to leave that room. <laughs> it was not going to happen. But yet, it is your choice. It is your choice. Yeah, and I know that God gives you opportunities throughout your life. Yeah. And you may not be in that place at that moment right. to continue to pro- or to open that door. Open that door that he's given you. I've seen a lot of doors open and I shut them. I used to. Yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore. No uh. No uh. <laughs> so just even recently, it's kind of funny cuz um I, I'm a dork at heart. Like, at home, I'm just... A, a cheese ball. Like, I sing random weird songs to my dogs, and the kids join in, and eventually, in public, we start to sing these songs, Aww. and we make up nicknames for all of our animals. We have way too many. Um, but I I see them as... If I didn't have them around... Like, literally, everywhere you turn, there's an animal you can pet. They're almost like therapy animals. Of Even though they're not therapy animals, right. they're not, quote-unquote. But to have that companionship of these creatures that just love you for who you are and right next to you all the time like I'll go in a different room and there's another therapy animal. <laughs> <laughs> Except but the hedgehog we, though right? yeah the hedgehog is a little, is its own yeah, little yeah. yeah not so much um but we make up funny names and we call them this they don't even probably know what their names are anymore um but we make up little songs and I'll just be singing like random stupid songs like to our new dog um baby I can't even think of what the song but Tony will catch me and he'll be like, oh, I love seeing you in this light. And I've been doing that more and more, like laughing out loud. And I feel just a huge weight lifted off me where I have that freedom of just being me and seeing who that is really and, yeah. and loving it and just feeling it and being able to express myself and, and, and have a light about myself. Whereas before it, it was not so light for me. Um, things would tick me off easily. Uh, you know, I'd get wound up about things and now I'm just kind of like light. I feel like light as a feather and I'm singing and I'm laughing at things and Tony will recognize that. And he's like, I just love to hear your laugh from the other room or something like that. So it's just been, like I said, just that quick healing. What it's been five months since be still. And I've just, it's been, if anything came out of that, that conference, it was my healing. Yes. And that is awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure more came out of that conference, but that's in itself is and God's praising right now. Just he's so excited. Oh and, my gosh. Yeah. And the legacy to your kids, you know, and just like there's nothing more that Satan doesn't want is in a family together. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't. And it's powerful. Like we don't know how powerful it is. Why would he be fighting so hard not to? Mm-hmm. I mean, for for it not to, if mm-hmm. it's not that powerful. Right. Right? So, yay for victory, man. And you know what? This podcast, actually, this palm tree thing with the whole tropical topical, it's palm tree means victory. Mm-hmm. So, this is a victorious situation. I mean, not many people, it's just... That is such a dark thing that you went through. And then to be where you are now, I mean, wow. Yeah. Just wow. So. And God was by my side the whole time. And God was by your side the whole time. And his timing's amazing. And his timing's amazing. <laughs> so are we going to get together after you're done with the... Yeah. Let's do it again. Like, yeah. let's see where you're at. What, like, new insight, you know? Because I'm sure there will be some more insight of just, like, life in general. Just yeah. us having coffee, you know? Um and me too. 
and um, see where we're at. Absolutely. So um, thank you for listening to this topical life. And um, we will be back with Alicia again. And um, I think as, I think mending the soul, I think at some point we probably should get some websites or something so that people can kind of navigate. But, um, and then um, I'm not sure if Alicia's making herself available, but I'm sure that if someone was having a problem that we could get connected and maybe she could help you through it. Is that Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Alicia is here for you. I'm here for you. Um, thank you for listening and have a great day. You've been listening to This Topical Life with Tiffany Murphy. Available through Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook. Donations to help support This Topical Life can be made through Patreon at patreon.com front slash thistopicallife. Likes and comments are always appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time for more real conversation, real exploration, real life stories on this topical life, because life ain't a vacation. <laughs>